Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. p.m. service at St. Peter's house. Yeah. So you, whether you knew it or not, you're a pioneering person, paving the way for everyone who's coming after you. And we're in the, we're in a season of transition here at Ramp Church. And that means for our evening, um, we're, we're adding a service and that's the one you're sitting in. So I'm, I'm going to be speaking actually on, um, a bit on transition tonight. And there's a few, there's a few other times throughout September that I'm going to be speaking on this theme. And there's something that I've realized is true about all of our lives. And that is all of us go through seasons of change. Can I get a witness? And those are, those are really, um, those are not only vulnerable seasons, but they're also seasons of great opportunity. And so I'm going to speak kind of straight into that moment for us as a faith family, but for you personally. Um, but also September is packed full of some other things that are in the works that I don't want to announce quite yet, but um, it's going to be a great month to be here at Ramp Church. There are also some things moving, just to update you on the venue hunt, there are some things moving for a Sunday morning space. So, yes, so I don't want to announce that quite yet um, because it's, it's, it's just too in the balance. But here's what I'm thinking. Can I just kind of give you what's on my thoughts? I'm thinking maybe sometime midweek, we announce um, this space that's potential for us. And if you're up for it, maybe before our 4 p.m., all of us go over there and we pray over it before the 4 p.m. Would that be fun? I haven't told any of the team that. So everybody's, this is the first time everybody's hearing this idea. But I thought if like we all gather up and just as a crowd, we just head there and get our feet on the ground. Um, but there's, there's, too many, there's too many things to... Um, um, in the balance before I can uh, before I can announce what that is. So stay tuned to social media and your email um, for that. Also, uh, apologies, some of our screens are down, so everybody's going to have to peer um, at that one screen. So if you're like me and you're speckled, um, good luck. Spectacled, spectacled. I'm just making up words here at Ram Church. So. <clears throat> Maybe in seasons of transition in your own life, you've noticed that that can be a time of great anxiety for you. Maybe the uncertainty of those seasons of transition um, have caused you to hunt for a bigger story. Maybe there's pressure on those seasons, great pressure in times of change. And this is what I've, I've, I've realized about those seasons is... We feel the need to make sense of our lives, of the uncertainty, of the pressure. Um, in many ways, we just came out of a year and a half of that in, in lockdown, in, in COVID and all of that season. But um, unfortunately, that's not a one-time event. 
those seasons of transition. We have those throughout our lives. And actually, studies show that in the UK, the average person has five career changes in their life. Um, the average person moves eight times in their life. And those are, those are seasons of great change, great shift, where when you move house, it's like your whole, your whole place of being moves, right? Your friend group could change, your workplace could change, your daily rhythms change, where you do your shopping changes. Everything about that changes. And just that unrest causes you to go, man, what is going on with my life? I need to figure out what this is. is I moved here for a job for a greater um, uh, uh, salary increase. I moved here to be closer to family. But it's like there's more upheaval in my life than just that one thing that I'm changing. Same thing with career. Anytime we, we go into seasons of unrest, maybe you've gone through a season where you've had health trouble. And that's meant that all of your life, the rhythms across your life have been disrupted. Those seasons of change are an opportunity for us to hear from God, for us to learn more about ourselves and more about the way that he leads us. But this is an important principle for all of us. Times of increased pressure, anxiety, and uncertainty, they cause us to hunt for narratives. And narratives are clarifying storylines to help us make sense of our pain or our uncertainty. They can be incredibly powerful in shaping our choices, but also in our internal world, the way we experience the world around us. And because we feel the need, sometimes overwhelmingly so, to make sense of the uncertainty we're in, we, we come up with storylines that maybe are not even true. Or maybe they're deeply, deeply flawed. But we would rather have a flawed storyline than no storyline. We would rather have an untrue storyline than no storyline at all. And this is what I've seen when I've, when I've witnessed my own life, but walked with many people through their stories, is we often oversimplify our story. So we try to make it about one thing or one part of our lives and um, even God's part in that. We, when we bring God into our story, we see that sometimes we're oversimplifying his role in that as well. We're kind of in this a bit in Ramp Church, if you're wondering why this is fresh on my mind. Because we're on a building hunt. Now, we didn't come to Manchester to plant a church because we had um, a strategy session with our leadership team and figured out that this, this demographic and market research led us to come here and move to Manchester. We moved to Manchester because we had, we had 12 years of history of hearing from the Lord leading us to move to this place. And some of you have heard that story. If you haven't, it's an amazing journey of the way God speaks to us. And when God speaks to you, there's... Um, there's two things. There's what God said, and then there's what you think God said. And seasons of testing, seasons of transition, seasons of trial, a lot of what's happening is what you think God said is being reoriented to get into alignment with what God actually said. And most of what we find is we've simplified, oversimplified the story that God is writing through our lives. We think that it's about one thing when it's really about ten things. We think that it's about one direction when it's really about uh, kind of a spaghetti bowl of directions. God's story is not simple over our lives. Maybe you can relate. Maybe your story has involved unforeseen 
illness, maybe a loss of a marriage or a job. Maybe there have been financial challenges. And, and, and here's the way we oversimplify our story. We say things like, um, I guess I've done something wrong. I'm in a season of pain or uncertainty or something's not happen, happening that I thought would happen. Maybe I've gotten off course. This is God's way of correcting me. That's an oversimplified story. Uh, we think things like, I think the world is just against me. I've always had struggles with this, and I always will. This is just my lot in life. Sometimes we think, you know what? I, I, I used to have it so good. We romanticize the past. I had it so good back then. Things, um, they'll never again be like they were. That's one of the ways we oversimplify. And then sometimes we just are consumed with what other people think. We're just wondering, in this transition or this time of loss, how am I going to explain this to people who care for me, who I love, who I actually care about what they think? I'm not even sure who I am anymore coming through this time of transition. The beauty of this is that God does not leave us alone in these seasons. And we can look back to the story of many people of faith to see how they navigated seasons of transition. And our teaching text for today is from Exodus chapter 17. So if you want to turn there with me, Exodus 17, we're going to read in verses 1 through 7. This is the story of the nation of Israel. They're coming out of Egypt where they were in slavery and they're going into a, a new place, a land that God is giving them. And they're on the journey in between, say between. And in that in-between place, they're in a wilderness. And a lot happens in the wilderness. Actually, there are chapter after chapter after chapter of the Bible that's written about that, that season of transition in their lives. And they're in the wilderness and they're thirsty. And that's where we pick up in the story. Exodus 17, starting in verse number one. The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin. Now, now sin, that's the name of the wilderness. That doesn't mean they did bad things. Um, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. I, I just, I'm just so thankful that that phrase is in there. Because some of you are in a season that, that feels like a wilderness, but you're not sure how you got there. And when you look back, you see that you followed the Lord's command and you ended up in wilderness. So already the storyline that of I must have done something wrong to get here, that, that storyline's already seen as, as oversimplistic. Because Israel is standing in their wilderness, but they got there according to the Lord's command. Wait a second, I thought God, uh, I thought his will was to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me hope in a future. That's the verse you read last week, Joe. Then why am I in a wilderness? God can't be in this. And I want to tell you, sometimes you find yourself in wilderness places and you've been faithful to follow the command of the Lord. Israel camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, their leader, give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me, Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Isn't it wild, the conclusions? Like they're thirsty and they're like, it's obvious you want us to die. <laughs> but that's exactly where we go. When, when, God, when God uses a word that, oh, I hate, I hate with every cell in my body, the word wait. I, I don't conclude that he wants me to wait. I conclude that he wants me to die. 
So I start wrestling with the Lord as if my life is at stake, and he's sitting there going, I'm just not done yet. I'm just not finished. I'm, I'm still working. I don't know why you think I'm going to kill you and your children and your animals. Do you see the drama storm that started? But we do the same thing. Why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? In a little while, they're going to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. This is some bizarre instructions from God. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massah and Meribah. Remember that word, Meribah. Because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is what I've realized when we start to enter transition seasons. When we enter seasons between the, the last promise and the next promise is one of the ways we oversimplify the story that God's writing through our lives is we create either or narratives about what he's doing. And if I was Israel, here's the narrative I would have created right here. Either God isn't with us because we don't have water or God is with us and he wants me to suffer. It's gotta be one of those two things. Either he's not with me, I'm in the wilderness because I don't have water or he is with me and he's really thankful that I'm suffering right now. Suffer well, Joe, suffer well. That's, that's what we think. The, the thing about either or narratives, though, is they trap us. And I would go to far as to say this. Either or narratives can blind us to God, what he's like, what he's saying, and what he's doing. How can we say this about Israel's story? Well, because we know the end of the story. Moses struck the rock. Water came flowing out of the rock, and everybody was thirsty, and then they forgot that they accused God of trying to kill them. Just like we do. We just move on, and six months later, we're like, everything's great. What, what happened? This was the narrative that they should have believed. This next slide. Since God is both with us, and we don't have water, what's he going to do next? God is with us because he commanded us to be here. We don't have water. So he's going to do something. I don't know what. I don't know what venue he's got for us. But he's got a venue. I don't know what job he has for you. But he's got a job. I don't know what provision he has for you. But he's got provision. I don't know what relationships he has. After the relationships that you left. But he's got relationships for you. I don't know how he's going to bring wholeness and health to you. But that's his intention for you. Both and narratives, here's, here's the important thing right here about both and narratives. They can reveal God who never leaves us alone and who's authoring our story. When we see both and narratives in the story of God, we're empowered to join his story. Because we, we all of a sudden see it from God's perspective. And even if we couldn't just be confident about both and narratives, 
reading through Israel's story, we actually get insight into God's perspective on this in Psalms chapter 81. This is really cool. Because in Psalms 81 verse 7, we now see centuries later what God thought about what was happening at Meribah. God comments right here. This is what he says to Israel. You called out in distress. Now Israel didn't think God heard him. But God says, you called out in distress and I rescued you. You called out in distress and I answered you from the thundercloud. And then he says this, I tested you at Meribah. Wait, 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 wait. Exodus told us that they were testing God. But from God's perspective, he was testing them. Situations where we think God's on the stand in our lives, and we're like the barrister just berating him with questions, making him answer. All along, the judge of all the cosmos sits on the circle of the earth, and he is testing us. He's inspecting the DNA of our faith. He's, he's pulling apart every molecule of our, of our journey with him. And he's investigating where are they at? Are they choosing to exalt circumstances above my word? Are they choosing to exalt their emotions above what they know my character is? Are they standing in a place where, yes, it seems contradictory, but God is with us and I have no water? What's he going to do next? That's the place that Israel was. And in September, I'm going to talk about a few what I call essential both and truth truths in testing times. But today I'm going to tell you, I'm talking to you about one. One essential both and truth in testing times. Are you ready? This is essential for you in your season of transition, and it's this reality. Hearing from God is both clear and hazy. Hearing from God is both clear and hazy. Maybe you think that people of great faith have an unusual ability to have clarity on God's voice. I think you may have a different perspective after our talk. When, when Stacy and I left America to move to the UK, um, we, we were in a season of of a lot of prayer and fasting. And if that makes us sound, sound spiritually strong, then you've got it all wrong. We were desperate. We felt actually spiritually falling apart. That's how we felt. And so the prayer and fasting was not because we felt like great people of faith. It was because we felt like if we didn't pray and fast, I don't even know if I would have had an attitude that would have been worth hanging around that day. I was so just undone with the the... the the, the awareness that we were going into transition. Anybody been like that before? It's kind of like, it's kinda like the, the gardener, the creator, puts his hands around the root ball of who you are, and he just starts to move. Anybody garden? He starts, he's, he's about to transplant, and it just starts to move, and everything starts to feel uncomfortable. Everything it looks right. The, tr the, the plant looks the same. There's fruit hanging on the plant. Everything. But inside, there's, you just know things are different. Things are changing. So we went in time, a season of prayer and fasting, and it was one of the seasons in my life that showed me how connected we are one to another. 
because that season lasted about 18 months in our life. It was probably the most desperate I've ever been to hear from the Lord for direction. And people in our community who didn't even know that we were praying for direction started getting words for us. So what I mean, our community, like in our church, in Ramp Church in, in Alabama, they, some of them started having dreams. They didn't even know us. They like send us dreams. We're like, Lord, I'm asking you for a dream for me. They don't even know me. And you're giving them a dream. But it shows me how we truly are a family. And one of the things that we started to hear was we were considering two different paths in the UK. We always knew that we would come to Manchester and be a part of the ramp. But there was another opportunity before us that we were considering on a short-term basis. It was working with a charity in the UK that does orphan care and trafficking prevention in Eastern Europe. So we were really seeking the Lord. We felt like that was an open door, but it didn't make sense. It just didn't make any sense to us. We feel called to be a part of the ramp. Why would the Lord have this other opportunity for us? But every time we approach the Lord in prayer, this is the word we heard from him. Both. It's both. It's both opportunities. Well, of course, we're bringing this before the leadership team at the ramp. We're bringing it before the board. Uh, Pastor Karen's, of course, very involved. We're meeting with her regularly. Nobody can understand how that word works. So it's just like both. Okay, what does that mean? How do you go and help an organization for a very short period of time? I, that doesn't make sense to lead an initiative and then move on to something else and plan. But we kept hearing the word. And I, I'll tell you a bit more of the story um, in a bit. But this, here's the, we learned a principle in that. And, and it shows why the word of the Lord is both clear and hazy. And this is why right here. Because sometimes your next step is clear, but the logic behind it is hazy. So God is speaking to us, but we think if it's going to be God, he's going to give me all 10 steps. When actually all he's giving you is one step. And the one step he's giving you, you can't make sense of. Like you can't connect the dots. It's not, it's not like an equation where you put, the, you, put the, you put all the data in and then boom, there it comes out. Just the right thing. So the next step has been clear, but the logic is hazy. So I'm convinced it's hazy. I'm convinced it's cloudy. I'm convinced, well, th this can't be the Lord or I need more than I have. When the Lord is just continuing to sit there and he's continuing to say the, the same thing. <clears throat> Joe and Stacy, both. Well, but Lord, I, I just need, I need your word. I need your word, Lord. <sighs> Praying and fasting. If I fast more, I'll twist your arm more and you'll tell me more. Tell me more, Lord. Both. Okay. What, and apparently to him, that's all I needed. Because he had given me the next step, but I was waiting for the logic to make sense before I stepped out. Do you know what ended up happening? We moved to the UK, and the day we were in the air flying, okay, we had sold our house, we'd sold our car, we'd sold most of our possessions. So we're flying in the air. Um, one of, one of the, the, the primary leaders in this charity we were a part of, it had been revealed as we were in the air flying that indiscretion had happened in the governance of the organization. So when we land, we're, we're now in Scotland is where we were living. The whole project that we moved over to be a part of, all the funding for the project, gone. So we moved over thinking we would be a part of a project to help lead a project, when in actuality, we spent the next year helping this charity rebuild themselves. And short term, well, it was the perfect length. 
We were trying to figure out how do we, how do, we do both in this. Well, God already had it planned. Now, of course, we, we were a bit shocked, but God knew all along. And if he'd have told me before I left, um, just to let you know, I'd have been like, uh-uh, you can keep that mess, Lord, and you can send somebody else to go fix it. But because I didn't even have a category for the logic that he was thinking, even if he told me the logic, it wouldn't have helped me. It's the same way as when I give my child an instruction and the category of logic I'm even using, it's, they're incapable of even thinking in that category. So what they have to do is they just have to trust my instruction for the next step. They have to trust that I know what's best for them. And if I'm constantly seeking logic, then I may miss what God's doing in the next step. And this is what you have to understand. I just, I just want to balance this a bit. God is not anti-logic. Okay? He invented reasoning. God is pro-trust. This is what it means. Every time God gives you an instruction, it will require trust. Logic is optional. But every directive from God, there will be an element of trust. There will be an element where I take him at his word. And, and this means that God's priority is positioning you where you can express and deepen trust. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. And this is, this is a beautiful thing, though, you've got to understand about God. See, we, we think that God is more performance-oriented, but God is more relationship-oriented. And so this principle is, under, is important in understanding how to follow him. God doesn't ask things of you that you can succeed at without him. So the very next step he's giving you, the reason he's not going to give you 10 more steps, first of all, you're going you're gonna to take that as a principle or a, or a plan, and you're going to go, thanks. Uh, <clears throat> when I get to step 11, I'll call you up. But the thing about God's intentions for you is they'll only succeed if he's involved. So he's going to give you one step. So you step here, and then what does that do? It keeps you dependent on him. All right, Lord, here I am. I took that one step. I don't really understand it. I don't know why we're meeting on 4 p.m. on Oxford Road, St. Peter's house. Where's the next one? One step at a time. He's got the logic figured out. You've got the trust. Jesus expressed this reality in John 15, verse 5. This is what Jesus said. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Look at this. Because you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing of eternal value separated from the presence of God. Separated from the person of God. So why would he create a path for you that doesn't require him? His plans presuppose that you're going to be walking with him along the whole journey. So this should be your prayer in seasons of transition. What's my next step? Can we ask that together? Let's just ask that together. God, what is my next step? Show us, Lord. Show us what is our next step. So the first reason why hearing from God is both clear and hazy is because sometimes your next step is clear, but the logic behind it 
is hazy. The second reason is this. Sometimes God's general will is clear, but his particular will is hazy. You know, there are many things in my life that I, that I don't even have to ask God about. Like, does he want me to be generous in my life? Yes. Does, does he want me to serve others? Yes. Does he want me to live out of sacrificial love? Yes. So I don't need to ask the Lord, should I be loving towards my wife, Stacy? And sometimes he's not going to answer that question because he's like, well, first of all, that's my general will. It's already been revealed in my word and my character. You should know about who I am. So some situations, the question is, not what is the Lord telling me, but what, what does a godly person do in this situation? So people are gossiping at your workplace. You don't need to ask the Lord, should I join them in this gossip party? Am I supposed to join in for relationship's sake? No. Uh, career choices, that mean you have to compromise a commitment that the Lord has already told you about. You're not like seeking the Lord about that, right? You already know this is his revealed will. God is not going to lead you to a place or an activity or a behavior or a relationship that he's already committed not to lead you. So if that thing is, is already, if you already know it's compromised for you, there's no reason to bring that before the Lord. And oftentimes we're seeking God and we feel like that pursuit of, of his voice is fruitless. And it's because we're seeking him on something he's already revealed to us. And it actually isn't lack of clarity, it's, it's lack of willingness. And I should change my prayer from God show me to God, change my desires. God, give me the self-control to do what, you, what I know you want me to do. Give me the heart that says yes to you. This is why the verse that he will give us the power, not just to do, but to desire his will. That's why we can stand on that promise. He's working in you to desire and to do what he's up to in the world. He's not going to lead you to those places. So what are, we, what are we hoping for his general will? I love this in Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Maybe you've not spent a lot of time in the word of God. You, you need to. Maybe the time you've tried has been confusing or it just feels boring or laborious. Keep reading. Read slow and don't stop. Because what you're going to find is you're going to find the story of God interacting with humanity in this exact, exact journey we're talking about. And what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to follow him in the journey that he has us on, in the path that he has us on? So this is our prayer. This is our prayer for this point. God, make your written word come alive to me. Can we just say that together? God, make your written word come alive to me. God wants to speak to you through the pages of Scripture. He wants to reveal himself to you, and he wants to reveal his will to you. He doesn't want it to be confusing, but he's not interested in fast food stops. America invented McDonald's, not God. If you've ever eaten there, you'd realize that. <laughs> Right? He's not interested in fast food. This is, this is, you dig. You dig in this. And you keep digging. And 
some conclusions are going to be wrong, and then you have the, enough humility to not be shocked at that you got something wrong, and you keep digging. It's a lifelong pursuit. So the second reason why hearing from God is both clear and hazy is because sometimes God's general will is clear, but his particular will is hazy. The third reason is this. Sometimes God is clear, but my path is hazy. Sometimes God is clear, but my path is hazy. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He's talking about his relationship with us, his people. This is what he said. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you see the relational component there? Notice... Jesus doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice, they write down my commands, and they go and do them. He said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. There will be times in your life where your path is hazy, but he is crystal clear. I think back to seasons of transition, and those are often those are often seasons. Sometimes seasons of wilderness are seasons where I don't feel the Lord at all. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But sometimes those seasons are where I feel the, I feel the closeness of the Lord, but I have no idea where he's taking me. I know he's with me. I just don't know where we're going. I can sense his nearness, and I even sense a grace in prayer. So I'll spend two, three hours in prayer sometimes in those seasons, and I feel like it's not enough. I'll leave, and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to work. Feel like, feel like, Lord, I need, I need more of that because my attitude's terrible. I, my mind is a mess. I'm confused. I don't know the, the, the next way. And I just feel like I need you near. I need you close. And oftentimes those are the times where our, our life in prayer and our life in worship are meant to grow deeper in God. Because he is clear, but the path is, is hazy. Uh, you got to remember, although God is an immaterial spirit, He's not an impersonal force. So he's not karma. Right? He's he's not some divine balancing scheme that we always get what we deserve. He's He's not a reactive deity of mythology. Okay? Where it's just like if I put the right things in the God equation, I'll get the right thing out the other end. He is a person. He's a shepherd who's laid down his life for us. And a person is good news on one level, but it's also unsafe on another level. Because a person has emotion, they have opinions, they have thoughts. But if we, if we go to God thinking that he's some equation that I figure out, we will never follow him well in seasons of uncertainty. We've got to realize he's a person who I come close to. Do you know Moses got it right in Exodus chapter 17, but he got it wrong in Numbers chapter 20. Exodus 17, God tells him to go to the rock and strike it and water will come out. uh, Numbers chapter 20, God tells him to go to the rock and speak to it and water will come out. But Moses takes his staff and he does the thing that God told him to do last time. And instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes it. And God in his mercy for the people's thirst brings water out of it anyway. But Moses was kept from all that God had for him because of that decision of disobedience. 
What does that show us? Moses had, had, had made God more of a principle than a person. And if you think following God is about learning godly principles and then basing my life on that, and that's what's going to lead me into, into godly living, then you're missing it. That's part of it. Does God have principles? Of course he does. But he's more than that. God's a person. I think it's so interesting that it was a staff that, God, that Moses disobeyed God with. Because a staff, of course, that had to do with his vocation in shepherding. But a staff is also something that, that aids our walk. And I think it's interesting that the way God, that Moses disobeyed God was he used something that assisted him in the journey instead of trusting God that God had his journey in his hands. So Moses uses what helps him walk instead of trusting in the God who held his whole story in his hand. That's, that's the opportunity for you in seasons where God's word is both clear and hazy. It is you press in to the person of God. This is an important principle. Your proximity to God is more important than your promise from God. Your proximity to God is more important than your promise from God. And oftentimes seasons of transition are about this. They're about you finding in your heart and reminding yourself what is most important in life. And God would not be a good father if he let you continue your entire journey revolving your life around promises when the desire of the nations is sitting right there and you're ignoring it. I'm ignoring it. What if the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what if, what if they would have demanded God get them out of the fire? they would have missed the creator of the universe himself coming into the fire with them. Why? Because proximity is more important than promise. Proximity matters more. How do you know you're living outside of proximity when you're demanding for explanations? When I'm demanding God explain himself, he is a principle. But when my life is based on pursuit, all of a sudden proximity has become my priority. That's the journey with the Lord. Hearing from God is both clear and hazy because sometimes God is clear, but the path is hazy. But do you know sometimes the path is clear and God is hazy? Sometimes you actually know which way to go, but you haven't seen him in a while. Those are the seasons, and, and I'm not, of course, not the first to say any of this, but certainly not this idea, that when you're in those seasons, you do the last thing he told you. When the path's before you, but you don't know where he is, remember the last thing he told you. And you remain faithful. This is, this is why Jesus in Luke 18, this is why this, is why this instruction would, would say, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? In other words, I'm leaving. Will you remain while I'm gone? I am coming back. But will you remain in faith? Will you stay the course when I'm not around? So sometimes God is clear and the path 
is hazy, but sometimes the path is clear and God is hazy. And this should be our prayer in this season. God, reveal yourself to me. Can we pray that together? God, reveal yourself to me. Band, you, go, you can go ahead and come on up. Some of you have come into this place tonight and you're, you're riddled with anxiety. You don't know where you're headed. <clears throat> maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, maybe there are decisions or circumstances in your life that you, that you can't see past. It's like that, that's, that's where your, your, your life stops. That's where your vision stops. And that last prayer we just prayed, that's for you. God's inviting you closer. I know, I know you're praying for God to take you out of the anxious situation, but often the first step is for God to come into the anxious situation. Just like those Hebrew boys. And tonight, God has firm footing for you. It may not look firm, but just like Peter walking on water, circumstances don't have to look firm to hold the weight of your story. Some of you, you've come in here numb. May, it may be the, the weight of life. It's just felt you, it's just left you feeling nothing. Even, even as I've spoken tonight, there's just this sense of like, yeah. There's just nothing going in. There's, there's nothing stirring. And it's because life has been so heavy, you've instead of, with, with answers that, questions that seem like they can't be answered is instead of trying to figure this out I'm just going to stop trying to figure it out at all I'm just going to stop feeling at all you're not sure how to feel again and you don't have the strength or stamina to find out but God wants to restore you today he's drawing you close to him some of you have put the entire weight of your relationship with God on your own performance You can't imagine not coming to God through your performance filter. Every relationship in your life has been based on that. But today you're going to find his pleasure over you, not because of your perfect record, but simply because he's chosen to love you. The invitation this evening is to come closer. God gave Israel a promise in Deuteronomy 31. In their season of transition, we just read some of their difficulties in the wilderness in Exodus, but this is, this is the promise that he gave them. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. And I just want to declare this over you tonight. Can I do this? This is what God said. Don't be terrified or afraid. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. Do you know the only thing better than God giving you a promise that it's all going to work out? God giving you a promise that he's going to be with you no matter what happens. Because when the creator of the universe is with you, 
you can withstand any resistance, any challenge, any pain, any circumstance, because he is with you and he has not abandoned you. We're going to sing a song together before we close the service. You're welcome to sit there in your seat or to stand as, as they're singing. Our prayer teams are going to come up in a, in a few moments. and You're welcome to go get prayer. But what I want us to do is I just want us to step into this place of deeper trust in the Lord who is writing our story. Some of you are leaving on firm footing tonight. You came in here shaky, but you're leaving on firm footing. And it's not because the circumstances change. It's because you found him. It's because you've discovered the author of your story.